Hey, security peeps, we are back again in the Breaking Into Cybersecurity podcast. I am here with my co-host, Chris Folon. Say hi to everyone, Chris. Hey, everyone. And with our special guest today, Wolfgang von Sturmer. Say hi to everyone, Wolfgang. Hello, everybody. So Wolfgang is actually a CIO making the transition into the cybersecurity space. And he is probably the first executive CIO that we've had on um, making this transition. Wolfgang also has a background in music. So he has an undergraduate degree. He's a published uh, musician. And Wolfgang, I want you to just jump right in and tell us about your career, like how you started in the, in the, uh, with a background in music and how you've gotten to where you are today. Sure, yeah. So hello, everybody from the uh, New York University Center for Cybersecurity. I'm glad to be on this podcast. And uh, um, uh, it all started uh, uh, with a love of music and a love of computers. Um, so I did uh, a degree in Germany um, in musical composition, music theory, and computer music. Um, and that was in the late 80s. So computer music was uh, uh, fairly awkward and uh, cumbersome uh, uh, at the time, but I uh, really liked the technology aspect uh, of it. Um, And then after I uh, completed my degree, um, I came to the United States and uh, it was at the beginning of the, uh, uh, essentially the internet uh, uh, time or the the ramping up on where the internet became more, uh, the public became more aware of the internet um, and I decided that I really wanted to be part of something that I felt like would change the world. Um, so I reoriented myself uh, uh, to be more technology focused and uh, um, self-trained myself to be uh, aware of uh, internet technologies and, and, and what's required to build websites uh, and basic web technology and uh, started working in that industry and uh, um, from one uh, job to the other. Uh, ended up in the uh, digital dot uh, com area and uh, uh, worked for a variety of media companies, um, and then eventually uh, started my own company, uh, which was focused on high performance computing, um, and then went back to media as a CTO and CIO, uh, which I have now been doing for the last twenty uh, something years. That's in a nutshell. Wow, that, that's quite a background. Um, so how, how involved were you in the aspects of security in some of those roles? And what was your interest in shifting over to uh, being solely security focused? Yeah, so I, I always had uh, an interest in the security aspect and the, the hacking uh, aspect and the, the subculture aspect of, of technology. Um, so I had been following the hacking scene since over 15 years, uh, always went to a variety of hacker conferences and uh, um, was really uh, intrigued by how technology could be looked at from a different perspective and how it could be analyzed and examined uh, and understood in a very, very deep fundamental way. Um, That probably stemmed from when I was uh, in university in, in Germany um, at the, at the, during the day I was studying, but at night I was uh, moonlighting as a software engineer for robotics uh, engineering. Um, and that involved a lot of uh, very low-level 
assembly language programming, and I really did like that. Um, debugging meant putting uh, pins on the CPU with an oscillator, like a digital oscilloscope, to see what the cycles in the CPU were, and then you had to take a calculator to transform that into hexadecimal code and figure out where you were in the program. And that was a um, very intriguing, very deep insight into how the technology actually works on a very low level. And for some reason, that just struck with me for the rest of, of, of my uh, technology career. So I had always been interested in really deeply understanding of how something works. And maybe that's a reflection of a desire to understand how the world in itself works. Um, and, and, and really getting a good understanding of, of, of um, what makes uh, something and, and how does it function and uh, how can you prove it, of course, once you have that understanding, but then also what flaws might be in it. Um, so I've always tried to have that curiosity and, uh, uh, and seeking of knowledge uh, as, as part of, uh, of my career. And again, the Internet uh, in, in its early days really just presented itself as an opportunity to do something exciting in a field that humans, humankind hadn't seen before. Um, and uh, I really was convinced that it would ch change the world. And as we know, it did. So I guess I made the right choice to you know, move, move over to that. I haven't given up entirely on music. I still work in music and I still produce music, compose things. So that's kind of my hobby. Um, but uh, the, the interest in hacking has, uh, has always been there. And uh, um, when I started as a CIO uh, in the current job, uh, the latest job, about 10 years ago, there was not really the distinction between you know, information security officer and chief information officer. It was just expected to be part of the role, and there wasn't really a label for it. So. Um, There, I, th I think there was not even a term CISO really existing uh, about 10 years ago. Um, so, you know, we had, like, at my company and, and the parent company, we didn't have a CISO. We only got a CISO, like, maybe five years in, uh, or five years ago, six years ago, and uh, when security really became top of mind. Right. Of boards and, uh, and senior management. And, and that's why when they decided to hire a CISO, but before that, it was just expected that uh, data protection and network protection, IT security protection is part of, of your role and part of your job. Right. That sounds very similar. We had Alan on our podcast, of, Alan Alfred, on our podcast a few days ago, and he pretty much said the same exact thing, that there was, you know, 20 years ago when he got into the field, there wasn't really a, a, a technical term. It was, you know, a part of your technology role. Um, I know you made the pivot and you got into this prestigious program over at NYU. What's been exciting um, about being in it? And I know it's relatively new that you just started it, I believe, in August or September. So tell me about how how that's going and how what it's like now being a, a student and getting a master's degree, being an executive in a student space right now with the other cyber folks that are there. Um. Well, the visit to the cafeteria is always interesting because you, <laughs> you, you become aware a little bit of, of you know, that you're mid-career. <laughs> and, and, you know, a lot of undergraduates are, still, are starting their career. 
Um, so that, that's that's an interesting uh, experience. Um, but no, it's exciting. And the uh, the, the course uh, here at uh, NYU Tandon, uh, I think, is, is fairly new. Uh, I think we're the second cohort um, now that uh, is doing this specific master's uh, focused on cybersecurity. Um, it's a two to three year program. Um, and uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's very, um, uh, very technical um, and highly the Cyber Fellows Program, which is the program that I'm in, which is a supported program by the New York City Cyber Command and various industry uh, sponsors and, and also government, is very aligned to the um, NSA uh, Cyber Defense and Cyber Resiliency Program. So it's highly technical. And I think that's what made it interesting to me um, because uh, I, I started training for the CISSP certification um, and I realized that it covers, um, it covers a lot of ground, but it doesn't get very technical. Um, so I don't want to discredit the, discredit the CISSP, but if you love programming and if you love coding and you, know, yeah. you have an ability to do that, then the CISSP doesn't get into that territory. And with the master's program, I saw an opportunity to, to really um, dive in deeper into the real technical aspects of cybersecurity and, and really uh, understand how an attacker, how uh, uh, an adversary would think and what technologies they would um, uh, apply to get into a company's network or get to, uh, to a company's data. And I felt like if I really want to succeed in my responsibility to proactively and actively protect a company and their intellectual property, um, I would have to have a good deep level and technical understanding of what uh, uh, the adversaries might be doing because they're getting more sophisticated and they're getting more advanced. And uh, uh, it's not just about uh, uh, you know, mere protection and building the walls higher. Uh, you have to really get to a state of cyber resiliency in order to protect the company correctly and in the, in the future. And in order to do that, I felt like you have to have a really good, deep technical understanding. And was there, um, when you did your research for a master's opportunity, was there a reason that you chose NYU over, say, uh, the SANS Technical Institute, which is also known for um, providing that in-depth technical training or um, Carnegie Mellon's in Institute. Um, what was your reasoning for going with that particular university? Um, well, it's, you know, I live in New York, so there was a convenience factor, of course, that the campus is about four subway stops away from, from my house. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it was easy to get to. But, but that aside, um, when I did a preparation course early in this year, um, I didn't know yet that, that I would get into the master's program because it was not guaranteed if you do the uh, preparation course. Um, so, so the preparation course was basically for people who come from a liberal arts degree uh, or, or a non-computer science degree to get them up to speed with a computer science undergraduate level. And it was a very intense course that felt like having another full-time job for about six months, and, uh, but it was a very good course. So it, it set a really good foundation and that was entirely online. So I did that with basically just 
let's see what happens. You know, like let's see how the course goes and uh, and uh, uh, what do I come out with uh, out of it. And I passed the grade, so there wasn't really a need for me to research other uh, opportunities or other uh, universities because it was more or less guaranteed when you get the grade you can apply for the master's program and you get in and you also get the cyber fellows scholarship which covers a large portion of the tuition and that's of course always nice if someone pays for your education you know you don't say no to that <laughs> that's for sure so um Wolfgang, you talked a little bit about being in your role, kind of growing up into a CIO and being in the role that you were in. And like five years ago, they had the CISOs. And I know, to you know, when you and I have, have spoken in the past, we talked about other folks that were under you when you partnered with the, the CISO um, who had either transitioned into security or who were those security professionals that you had to manage or the tech professionals that you had to manage. So my question, my question is around what skills did you see as um, prominent skills overall with the people coming from a leader, since you're, you know, an executive and a leader, what some are some of the skills that you saw that may not have necessarily been technical, um, but overall that made good tech professionals, good cyber uh, professionals in your experience? Yeah, I mean, in terms of just advice to, to the community, um, and I, I think that was also mentioned in one of the previous podcasts uh, that, that I listened to, uh, I think communication skills are a, a key factor uh, for anybody in, in any role, really, but especially in, in a leadership and in, this, in an executive level, uh, level uh, role, because you have to interface with a lot of people that are not technical that, that that are not in in the IT world and IT concepts and specifically cybersecurity concepts can get very complex and 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 very um, difficult to explain so um, and also sometimes the reasoning behind it I mean I mean there's always the trade-off between security and usability right so we can secure our companies but we can by, but by doing so, we might make them entirely unusable. Like, so, so you always have to find the balance between doing the right level of IT security uh, application within an organization and uh, uh, still making it possible for people to do their, their regular work. Um, so that requires communication. It requires communication to the executive uh, leadership, to mid-level managers, and, and to the staff. So if you, if you have that, then you have pretty good chances to be uh, a good placement into you know, any kind of uh, role. But what happened uh, at my company was that we, we basically realized that data is the new top priority asset that we need to protect. You know, I, 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 I'm working in the, in the marketing communications industry, um, so what, we have a lot of data from our clients that then they entrust us to protect and, and keep confidential. And, uh, you know, the, the healthcare sector specifically, which is the sector that I worked in, has a lot of pharmaceutical companies. So they have very sensitive data. Sometimes it's, it's data about things that, are, um, that haven't reached the market yet. So they're highly confidential. And you need to keep them secure. So, so we felt like that there's a need for really building out a, what we call a digital risk practice. Um, and... Uh, into that 
function, we recruited, or the, the CISO recruited um, uh, various people, including me, that showed an interest in, in, in uh, paying specifically attention to the need to protect data and, and to focus on cybersecurity. Um, and it was a global effort, it was a global um, uh, initiative, so we recruited people from every country and where we had offices um, that basically s stood up and said, I have an interest in, in, in working in, in this area. And then there were certain, certain people who had certain domain expertise. Some people knew XF Directory better than others. So they were a natural addition to the team because you know, we had a project like uh, Active Directory Cleanup where we would really look at, uh, uh, at the scenario of uh, do we have uh, the privilege of uh, the, the, uh, the principle of least privilege really applied here so that people only have access to what they need to and uh, uh, there's no unused accounts that, that just stay, stay open. So, so we did some AD cleanup and we needed experts for that uh, and we recruited them. But the bottom line is still that they had to be good communicators, right? So they had because they had to work with the team and they had to then communicate some of those uh, uh, tactical things that came out of the strategic initiative back to their local offices and to the management in their offices. And, uh, and, and that requires good communication and, and ability to, to really convey the idea in, in plain English. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's what I come across on a, on a regular basis across my, my entire career over the last 20 years, that you have to be able to explain complex things in, in natural language to people who are the decision makers. Because at the end of the day, the business is the one who, who makes the decisions as to how much risk do they want to bear and uh, um, what, what initiatives they want to support to mitigate that risk. Speaking of uh, the risk management program and how much risk that your organization is willing to bear from a, a security aspect, um, what were some of the, if any, challenges in balancing the risk that your organization had versus um, the, the, the mitigations that would need to be put in place um, to properly um, security organization or help security organization? You mean what types of uh, uh, actions we took to, to do Correct. that? Yeah, and how did the business take it, whether you had to explain it in a different way or how did you communicate it to them that these are the challenges and this is what you have to do and this is the possible downside, things like that? Right. Um, I mean, the one argument that always is, is good is like nobody likes to be ending up in the paper, right, with the... Uh, with uh, uh, some cybersecurity incident. <laughs> so you can always use that that you're working towards keeping them out of the headlines. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, um, but some of the actions that we took is uh, the, the company that I, that I worked for has had grown through acquisition and, and mergers. And so it's a historical growth over time. And with that, you have the scenario that when you bring entities together, very often they're only being put together on the finance level in terms of the, the books are being put together, right? But the IT groups were more or less left alone. So you have the scenario where you have a lot of different chefs cooking the dinner and, uh, and different security principles were applied. So, so one initiative that we took was to try to really streamline the security posture and, and make it uh, uh, standardized or consolidated 
So we did things like looking into like what servers are in the DMZ and do they really have to be in the DMZ? Uh, some network internal network scans to uh, find out whether there were some uh, open FTP servers uh, still there that really shouldn't be there because we shouldn't be using FTP anymore. Um, unsecure FTP, that is. Um, and uh, and then again, the Active Directory cleanup because with the, with the industry that I'm in, there's a lot of uh, um, uh, churn of, uh, of people coming and going. And uh, you, know, you have to make sure that when someone leaves the company, they really don't have access anymore. Um, and uh, that requires the constant cleanup of, of the identity access management systems. So those were some of the things that, uh, that we did as kind of like the first things to, to do spring cleaning in, in our house. I wanted to go back to what you said about some of the folks that you had on the team that came in. It sounds like it was cross-functional. Mm-hmm. That there were folk, there were people that came in from, um, you know, raised their hand. So was it a volunteer effort almost? Where when the CISO, you and the CISO, the CISO brought in multiple people from various teams, and you were one of them. Was it one of these situations where it was a was it like a volunteer to work on this particular program, or were you know people hands picked and selected um all all of that yeah both so so there were people who raised their hand like me who said Mm -hmm. i really want to work uh, with you on this yeah um uh, uh, i mean i had across uh, i had come across the CISO, the the global CISO, Mm -hmm. um before when it came to sarbanes oxley it audits and uh, the general computing controls so because you know compliance was part of my uh, remit um, to to look after SOX compliance and uh, uh, then GDPR compliance too when the, when that came out uh, last year, um, so 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 he knew that I had that interest and that, that I had some of these responsibilities. So so I just raised my hand. But then um, there were people who uh, we were just aware of that they had certain skills that were mm-hmm. security mappable, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we also went outside and uh, uh, worked uh, with. Uh, I think some university in the UK, um, mm-hmm. and some interns from, from the university, from some computer cybersecurity um, program that they had over there. And then we also hired some outside people. Right. The reason why I bring it up is because, especially with the folks that are trying to break in, it's been a consistent theme with the leaders that we've spoken to over the last couple of weeks in regards to a couple different things. One, the transferable skills. So mm-hmm. you talk about communication that's transferred across the board. I mean, that's like Chris Roberts is always screaming that. <laughs> like once right. a week, I think I feel like I see something around communication. Secondly, you know, the the leaders were able to upskill and cross train. So it sounds like folks had um, different types of experiences. Everyone's bringing different pieces to the puzzle. Some you raised your hand and said, I volunteer. Some people were chosen and picked and then, you know, recruited. But that combination of skills that was coming into the table and the cross training and the being able to move within the company, um, which is something that I think that people as a whole don't focus on as much. And a lot of the times when people are trying to break into the industry, especially in larger organizations, one of the first pieces of advice that I tend to give is to look within. So if you're going to school and you're getting a master's and you know you're in a, you're in audit, for example, you're an accountant or you have some other background, 
and you want to transition, many times they look outside of their organization when you could easily be raising your hand for volunteer efforts and getting on you know, projects like this that would give an additional layer of experience to bring you over into, um, into security. So I just want to highlight that, that you, you know, to make that, to kind of draw that in because over the last, we did three podcasts in three days and the three of you are pretty much saying the exact same thing with people volunteering, raising their hands, you know, and coming over from within the organization. And that's how Chris got here from the help desk. I got into security from HR. Like all of us have gotten in here from another, you know, somewhere else within the organization and transitioned over. So I just want to highlight Right. That. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. And um, uh, I just was at a, con a cybersecurity conference yesterday where it, uh, it was highlighted that it should be a joint effort between military, uh, government, academia, and the private sector. Um, and and it, it's very clear that, that cybersecurity is, is, it, is going to be has always been, but moving forward even more so, needs to be a team effort, right? You, you can't practice cybersecurity in, uh, uh, in the corner and then the rest of the co your company is not on board, right? So, I mean, uh, if you take the time uh, and you want to get into this field and you start going to conferences or, or meetings and, and you hear speakers, you will hear over and over again that some of the biggest threats are things like insider threat. Right, so that's the people that you work with on, on a yeah. daily basis. That, uh, uh, and, and sometimes the incident threat isn't even intentional or malicious. It's just mm -hmm. they're not aware or they're right. not educated and trained enough about this aspect of, of their work because they try to do good work in in whatever field they're working in, and uh, uh, and in the discipline that they're in. And and cybersecurity is not on top of their mind. Right, so weak passwords no multi-factor authentication being applied, all of that can easily lead to an exploitable insider threat. But mm -hmm. that, that's why it's a team effort, right? So it's, it's not, it doesn't require just the CISO to say, oh, you know, our, our policies have clearly defined what the password policy is, and therefore now we're secure. You know, just because it's in the policy doesn't mean that it's being executed that way and that's being done that way. So, so, so that's, again, where the the cross communi uh, the, the communication skills come into the picture, but then there's also a lot of other mappable skills from from other IT disciplines um, that uh, that can be transformed into having relevance in the uh, cybersecurity field. Um, the specialized skills, like someone who is really able to, you know, configure firewall, um, those will be the specialist people on your team. Uh, or vulnerability scans, you can get outside companies to, to do that. You can get outside contractors to do that. So, so if you are taking on security responsibilities within your company, then you're not necessarily needing to have an expertise in all of the skills because that's not going to be possible. You really can't do that. It's, it, I think it helps to specialize and, and uh, help to define a certain focus. Uh, I mean, for me making the decision to go back to school and I can also uh, touch on that in a minute of why I made the decision to go back to school. Um, even in the first three months, uh, two months uh, being at NYU, I have really found a renewed interest in reverse engineering, but probably because of my assembly language and robotics background back 25 years ago. Um, 
reverse engineering of, of binary code is something that I now do on a Sunday evening as, as a fun <laughs> thing to do, right? So not everybody would pick that <laughs> as a hobby. But, You're you know, crazy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really enjoy that. And uh, there's things like capture the flag activities out there that, uh, that can really, you can really use to hone your skills. And you right. can do that in, in your own time. Right? So you don't even need to go to, to a degree program or to a certification course to do that. You can just find an area of, of interest and then do capture the flag activities in that and, uh, and really uh, broaden your knowledge uh, that way. And, yeah. you will find, and you will find to, that, you, that there's already something from the work you have been doing in IT that will be helpful to sharpen your skills in the cybersecurity field, even, even though you didn't know about it. But when you start looking and when you start uh, uh, identifying areas uh, of interest in the cybersecurity field, you will, feel, uh, you will see that what you had done already in your career in IT, it will be very applicable. Yeah, and, and not only, sorry, Chris, I'll just jump in. Not, not only in your career in IT, then that's the, that's the thing. I want people to remember, um, and I say it over and over again, when you brought up that insider threat piece, that was literally exactly what I was drawn to because I was coming coming, coming with my HR mindset in, in mind. So you think about all the people who are all these threats that are happening in the insider threat. And I was sitting there raising my hand like, hey, is anyone talking to HR? Because, you know, again, insider threat, people internally, employees, all that stuff. So yeah. it's not only what you're bringing from IT, but what you're bringing from all different areas of what you've been doing in security. Right, and that's and that's where the uh, sorry, Chris. <laughs> Let me just uh, uh, answer that. Uh, no, because it's interesting. Because I I did realize that uh, that you know maybe like towards the end, the, the last three years of of my activity as a CIO, that the interfacing with the HR team was key, right? Because there's one point when you have an an employee's attention for things IT, which is when they start in the company right so we revised the entire training program as to what uh, 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 what introduction to technology and acceptable use of technology resources and what expectations on data protection um are uh, are there so that they can come to this with a fresh mind and and really have an awareness right from the beginning so it's not an afterthought because when they're eager to get their work computer, you know, that's the time when you can tell them, <laughs> don't put the password on a sticky note on the front of your screen. <laughs> uh, right. uh, the, the question I was going to ask earlier, you started mentioning your um, Sunday evening activity of reverse malwaring. Um, so outside of school and that activity, um, what other ways do you keep up with the ever evolving industry uh, that you can recommend to those looking to follow in your footsteps. Yeah, so I try to um, I try to now focus on when it comes to conferences, conferences that are directly related to the field. Uh, I mean, being a, a general CIO, I had to go or I did go to to many events and 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 uh, uh, CIO roundtables that were focused on on all things that concern a CIO, like cloud computing, moving to the cloud, mobile transformation, digital transformation, all that. So um, so now I try to really hone in and, and make time for mostly cybersecurity-related uh, conferences and events. Mm -hmm. um, I try to attend as many webinars as my time permits um, because I don't need to leave my desk. I can just do it just like this. It's uh, very convenient. Um, 
and uh, uh, you know networking, like you know trying to follow, trying to to find people who have something interesting and valuable to say about the field, some new insights uh, in an area that you have maybe identified as a special area of interest. Um, so apart from um, reverse engineering, I also have an interest in cryptology. So, um, you know, reading various cryptology blogs uh, uh, or uh, Bruce Schneier obviously is a good person to, to follow. Uh, mm -hmm. that, in that regard, I, I do have his book. Didn't read the whole thing yet, but I have it. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, just like basically start uh, start digging around on the internet as to like what uh, what what do people have to say about this? Who's someone who has new insights or um, and uh, and try to learn from that um, and and have an awareness of what other people say because it is an ever evolving field and you can't really cover everything. There's only twenty four hours in the day, so try to find the areas that that strike a chord with you and. Uh, and then hone in and focus on people that, that have something smart to say. Awesome. Well, we just tipped over the half an hour mark. Oh, a little okay. bit over half an hour. So um, Chris usually asks this question, but I will do it today. Um, you know, coming again, because you're an executive, because you have interfaced with the board, you know, you're one of these people that I think a lot of industry, cybersecurity professionals, professionals and professionals, just techni technical professionals as a whole would look up to. And so my um, question to you would be, one piece of sage advice coming from an executive that looks down and sees all these people in this organization, you know, what piece of advice would you give to a person either trying to break into security, just trying to grow in the technology space? What piece of advice would you give to that person looking up to you? Okay, well, I have to watch my words because I pr should probably take my own advice. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I, I think I'm going to go back to the ability to to identify cross mappable skills, um, mm -hmm. and and I do recall that there was an article in, and I'm a member of the IEEE Computer Society and the ACM and OVASP. So there was a, there was an article in, in one of these organizations' magazines. I can't remember exactly where that that addressed exactly that. It was someone who was very versed in cybersecurity, had been in the field for many years, and she highlighted that the industry isn't doing enough to encourage people to really uh, cross train um, and 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 use the foundation that they have from their previous technology experience to uh, to to really then concentrate and focus on specific aspects in cybersecurity that they can be trained into. And, and she was encouraging companies to, to really make an effort to put in more energy to train people to, to be good in the role in, in cybersecurity that they're, that they're having a need for. Right. So I think my advice would be, and again, I'm trying to take my own advice, Go after what where your passion is. If you feel passionate about cybersecurity, and I certainly do so, then find ways to make that clear to yourself and also express it to the world by doing things like getting certification uh, or, in, in my case, going, you know, find a new university where you can uh, have a degree, degree program and, uh, and really make it clear to yourself and the world that this is an area that you want to work in and believe in yourself that you can succeed in that because the need is there and 
the world is not just filled with experts who have been born into cybersecurity. Pretty much everybody who works in technology or cybersecurity has somehow grown into the role. And if you have mappable skills and also soft skills in, in, in a broad way, then you will probably be able to, to find something that's a fit and uh, you will be able to succeed. Perfect. Excellent advice. Well, thank you so much, Wolfgang, for being My with pleasure. us today. We will see everyone again on the next episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity. Have a thank good one. You. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.